the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us as we get underway at 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock. On this Wednesday, the 18th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Really appreciate you being with us. If you started your day with Hugh Hewitt, that's a good thing. I'm glad you're still here, and I hope you'll be here when we're done. So you can hear from Charlie Kirk and Dennis Prager and Dr. G. And just stick with us, Brandon T. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great place to be if you truly want to know what's going on. Locally, statewide, and nationally through all of those. we got a big show lined up for you this morning. Coming up in a half an hour, the fallout continues the backlash may be just beginning for the gang of 22 in columbus members of the ohio republican caucus that got together in november and said our new speaker in our supermajority 67 member caucus compared to the 33 members of the democrats in the state house our new speaker is going to be Derek marin they voted on it it was 36 to 31. That's how it turned out. You got 67 votes. 36 said Marin. 30, 31 said somebody else, like Jason Stevens. And they all agreed that they would vote unanimously for the winner of the caucus vote. You know the story by now. 
22 of them said, yeah, our word isn't worth squat. And they peeled off. They formed their little gang of 22, little cabal, call it what you want to call it. And then they went courting Democrats. And they said, hey, Democrats, how'd you like to get out from underneath the rock that you're under right now, the one that you're going to have to deal with if Marin and his ultra-conservatism is running the House as the Speaker? How'd you like to get out of that and have somebody that's a little bit more um, appealing to you? What do you mean, guys? Well, how about Jason Stevens? Would you rather have him there? All you got to do is come with us. We'll outvote him. Those 22 have been censured by the state, um, uh, the Ohio Republican Party and the state central committee. They have been censured also by at least a few county GOPs, uh, GOPs already as well. And now again, like I said, the fallout continues or maybe the backlash is only beginning. Joining me in a half an hour, less than now, we're going to talk to Shannon Burns, who heads up the, uh, Heads up the Strongsville GOP, and uh, Shannon and the Strongsville GOP have put Tom Patton on blast, if you will, if you can borrow that phrase. Uh, they have said, uh, you, you're, you're, you're in some serious trouble. State Representative Tom Patton, along with, I'm going to read this to you, why the heck not? State Representative Tom Patton is one of the 22, one of the cabal, if you will, uh, who voted for uh, Jason Stevens and partnered with the Democrats to give them now, essentially, the power. Uh, they got the power to pick the Speaker, and Lord only knows what deals were cut in order to give them that power, what kinds of things that they, uh, they're they going to expect when uh, uh, when the legislation starts to, starts to uh, uh, be put forth. But at any rate, Tom Patton, who has been widely praised and credited with being a strong conservative leader in this state, uh, he's very, very tight with a lot of conservative leaders that I've spoken with who are very, very disappointed in what he has done here. So what the Strongsville GOP board did is they sent a letter to Tom Patton essentially saying, this is what you did, this is how we feel about it, what do you have to say for yourself before we decide on actions that may or may not be taken in response or as, as a result of this? Um, after the letter was sent... To Tom Patton, uh, Mr. Patton's legislative aide in House District 17, Jackson Birdall sent a letter back to the, the, the uh, Strongsville GOP saying he is going to decline comment, or at least, quote, respectfully wishes to wait to respond until the conclusion of the householder trial. So he's got nothing to say right now. I think that's a mistake, because I think uh, people who are angry and upset with him and others, the other 20, 21, they've got a lot to say, and they've got a lot to say right now. And Shannon Burns is going to tell us about that. I'm going to read the letter to you uh, that he sent to Strongsville membership and supporters, uh, and then we're going to have him on to talk about it coming up at 9.35 this morning. So, like I said, it's uh, about 20 minutes away or so. So I'm very much looking forward to that. We are also going to talk this morning, as we stay in uh, Republican politics in Cuyahoga County, Lee Weingarten is going to be with us. Lee Weingart was the former, or is the former, uh, county executive uh, candidate for the Republican Party. Of course, he lost in that uh, in that race, as was almost guaranteed in the deep blue county of Cuyahoga. But now he's not done. Now he wants to lead the Republican Party. Now he wants to vacate the chair of the Cuyahoga uh, County Republican Party or the RCP or the RPCC. 
and uh, which is currently led by Lisa Sticken, wants to have a, a motion to vacate the chair and then hold it up for an election. And he wants to be that leader. He's going to tell us why. Uh, a lot of people in, in conservative Cuyahoga County, again, as small as that may be, or conservative Northeast Ohio, are watching this with great interest. And many of them are not happy. Many of them do not like the idea of Lee Weingart taking over. They question his true conservative credentials and his commitment and his bona fides, if you will, uh, to the Republican Party, citing a number of reasons. I'm going to talk to Lee Weingart about that, let him have a chance to answer it. That'll be at uh, 1035 this morning. And then at 1110, Jack Windsor will be with us, as he is each and every Wednesday, for the latest news and top stories at the Ohio Press Network, not the least of which will be the Hilliard Public Schools lawsuit. We talked to Attorney Josh Brown yesterday uh, suing Hilliard Public Schools in uh, near Columbus for their uh, their essentially canceling parents, literally canceling parents, kind of blocking them out of the equation as to how their kids are raised. Kids at Hilliard having sexual conversations as young as six years old with teachers being given access to pornographic materials by way of a QR code. It's kind of like a barcode for those who don't know, wearing on their name badges uh, that uh, tell kids, hey, click this and see what you're into. And when you uh, come 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 up with some questions about what you're really into and what excites you and what maybe uh, appeals to you, come and talk to me because quote I'm here. That's what the uh, that's what the badges say. Needless to say, some parents are outraged and they have filed a lawsuit. Yesterday we talked to Josh Brown about it. Today we'll get the latest from Jack Windsor about that and more. So three big guests today. We're going to talk to Shannon Burns. We're going to talk to Lee Weingart. We're going to talk to Jack Windsor. And, of course, I expect to talk to you at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Now, before we do our pledge and take our first time out, I want to get the first story in because it's not going to take all day. I just have to get the story in because this I, – I am more than willing to withstand the slings and arrows and attacks – of people who want to call me homophobic or transphobic or some other phobic because I don't believe in the LGBTQ community recruiting children. I also don't believe in the LGBTQ community going out there and flaunting whatever they want their lifestyle to be and telling adults that they have to participate. That if they tell you they are something they are not, you have to say, okay, I accept that you are, and call them by those names or pronouns or whatever. The LGBTQ movement used to be one of, we just want to be left alone. We don't want to be discriminated against. We don't want to be, uh, we don't want to be the target of bigots or anything of that nature. Please just, just let us be. That ship sailed a long time ago. Now it's, don't leave us alone, get off of your butt, hold up your rainbow flag, and celebrate us, or we will cancel you. And last night was the best example of it, well, the most recent example of it. How about that? The most recent example of it came last night at an NHL hockey game. Wait, what? Yeah. The Philadelphia Flyers... Uh, had a Pride festivity for some reason last night. I don't know exactly why that would be. It's not quote-unquote Pride Month. They already give a 30-day entire month of June to push this nonsense on people. When I say nonsense, I'm talking not about people's sexual orientations. I'm not insulting anybody in that way at all. I am saying it's nonsense to force the rest of the public to, 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 uh, to march in parades over it if they're not interested in that. 
So the Flyers last night came out for their pregame warm-ups, apparently wearing rainbow and pride-themed jerseys and with rainbow tape uh, uh, taped on their, on their sticks. And this is just for warm-ups, not for, not for the game. Well, Flyers defenseman Ivan Provorov said, I'm not doing it. It's not his thing. He's Russian Orthodox. He said his religion forbids him from going out there and celebrating any pride themed uh in any pride themed jerseys and with these sticks wrapped in rainbow pride tape. He eventually played in the game against the Anaheim Ducks after the warm ups. He made one short statement that said, I respect everybody and I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. End quote. He's a Russian native, like I said. He's in his seventh season with the Flyers, and he was immediately attacked. He was immediately ostracized. He was immediately canceled, at least on the social media side of things. His coach said after the game, I think the organization has sent out a release regarding the beliefs that we have. It was a really great night with Provi. He is being true to himself and to his religion. This has to do with his beliefs and his religion. That is one thing I respect about Provi. He is always true to himself. So that's where we're at with that. In other words, the coach declined to condemn his player. However, like I said, the LGBTQ community that is supposedly standing for tolerance and is standing for individualism, right? Isn't that what the LGBTQ movement says? Don't judge us for being ourselves. Don't judge me if I want to dress up in animal clothing and call myself a trans species. Don't judge me if I want to dress up as a as a male. I want to dress up as a female, or if I'm a female, I want to dress up as a male and say, call me strange. Don't judge my individualism. How dare you? Well, here's uh, an NHL hockey player who said, I'm not going to go out there with the rest of the team and do this. I'm going to be individual. And I expect the same tolerance that you asked for. Nope, no tolerance allowed. No tolerance allowed. He was attacked, and with, uh, as were the Flyers, for allowing him to play in that game because he dared to not uh, uh, celebrate the, the, the pride movement, the LGBTQ movement. They're calling the Flyers homophobic as an organization for allowing him to play. They're attacking him for his own religious beliefs, which essentially comes down to this. This is, this is the point I'm trying to make here. The LGBTQ movement is not about tolerance and acceptance. It is predatory and it is dictatorial. They don't want tolerance and acceptance. They want full-on obedience. If you don't obey their commands to not be just leave them alone to be themselves they, if you don't obey their commands to celebrate to help advance the cause to cheer on their own individual selves they will publicly attack ostracize and try to cancel you and that is exactly what is happening here and i for one am done i don't care you call me what you want I am absolutely not, quote, homophobic because I do not fear homosexuals. I am not homophobic because I do not dislike homosexuals. I dislike being told to do something that I don't want to do. And that is my right as an individual American, and it's yours as well. I have rights to choose what I celebrate and what I don't. That's the, that's the bottom line. 
I can choose to celebrate that which I, I want. You know what? You know how many leftists in America will not celebrate Columbus Day anymore? You know how many leftists in America refuse to celebrate Christmas? Because they're not Christians. And everybody says that's okay. Nobody is forcing you to march in a Columbus Day parade. Nobody's forcing you to take part in a Christmas pageant. You have the right to celebrate what you want and what you don't. But the only place where that that does not exist, that right, is in the LGBTQ movement. If you don't celebrate along with them, and they're counting, they're looking down on the ice last night. I said, okay, all of the Ducks players are there. They're doing their, their rainbow thing. Let's see. Uh, let's count all the five. Wait a minute. There's somebody missing. There's a flyer that's not on the ice celebrating our gayness, celebrating our transness, celebrating our queerness. There's somebody out there not celebrating us. Who is it? Who's missing? Let's count the numbers. It's Provorov. Provorov isn't out there. How come Provorov isn't out there? They better bench him for not celebrating us. What? He's on the ice? They didn't bench him? That homophobe? That transphobe? He's not... That's what this has become, my friends. And I'm not having it. Absolutely not. I am not having it. They cannot scare us shame us, attack us, ostracize us, cancel us for simply not wanting to participate in their celebration. And the reality of it is, I guarantee you that the organizations themselves don't want to even hold these events. They do it because they know they will be targeted for the same ostracization, the the cancellation, the boycotts, the protests of sponsors and more. And so they do these things just to keep in good with a very angry, predatory, dictatorial dictatorial uh, movement known as the LGBTQ movement. That's the reality of the situation. So last night, I want, first of all, Ivan Provorov, I never heard of you before. I don't follow the NHL very closely. Probably haven't followed it that closely since Gretzky and Lemieux were dominating the sport. Uh, and that's okay. But I want to say this about Ivan Provorov. Can you dig it? Because he's got the courage of his convictions and he's willing to stand up to the bullies. That's right, the LGBTQ movement, which used to be about anti-bullying, don't bully people if they're gay. They are the bullies. Bully anybody who doesn't celebrate gayness. That's reality. All right, uh, a little longer than I wanted to go, but that's okay. Friends, patriots, stand up. Face your flag. Put your hand on your heart and join us for our Pledge of, the Alleg- Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in that type of bullying and making sure people don't have the freedom to choose what they want to celebrate, well, you don't understand that flag anyway. You are exempted from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to it. Take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback and probably next to all of those hockey players last night as well. As for the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all 927 we're gonna take it to the news then we're gonna come back from the news and we're gonna talk to Shannon Burns of the Strongsville GOP as the backlash is just starting for the gang of 22 that's coming up always right radio Wow, wow, wow. 
of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. 937, we continue now on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. The Strongsville GOP board met last Wednesday and voted unanimously to submit our concerns in writing to Representative Patton and ask that he present his case for this defection to you, the members. We pledge to print his response in this email and afford him an audience at a special meeting of the Strongsville GOP on January 30 at 7 p.m. at the Best Western Event Center. And I'm further saddened to report that yesterday Representative Patton responded indirectly through staff that he would not be offering you any justification for his action. That is part of the letter that was sent to Strongsville GOP members and supporters referencing uh, State Representative Tom Patton and his actions as part of the Gang of 22 that we have been covering so closely for the last two or three weeks. And joining us now is the person who wrote that letter. He is the president of the Strongsville GOP, Shannon Burns. Shannon, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me on and looking forward to talking about this really disappointing, sort of sad news. It really is for for the members of Strongsville GOP. You know, it's sad news overall, I think, for all uh, all Ohio Republicans who, uh, you know, we're counting on this supermajority to work together to advance true conservative causes and advance constitutional causes and do things the way that uh, some of the rhino leadership in the past had not done or had not been willing to do. Uh, you can't, Democrats couldn't stop a bit of it with a supermajority. It's, so it's sad for all of us that we have a gang of 22. Then we go into the individual members, many of whom had strong relationships with conservative groups across the state, to find out they joined that gang of 22. Yeah, Shannon, I concur. It's sad for everybody. And in this case, we're talking about Tom Patton. So let's start with uh, the any conversation or communication you have had with Tom Patton since the uh, since the actual vote on January 3rd that, uh, that chose Jason Stevens as the new speaker. Have you spoken with him? Have you had any contact with Tom at all? You know, unfortunately, I haven't actually spoken with Tom um, since a couple days before the vote. Uh, he did share some text messages with me after uh, the vote, uh, trying to further explain away why he lied to us. Um, well, let's let's go. Let's go before. Let's let's do chronological here. Go. You said you yep. had you had some conversation with him before the vote, which I think is probably as or more important than what he had to say after the vote. What did he tell you before the vote, Shannon? It, and it does because I think I'll add in a couple of uh, facts that we've learned uh, in the in the last few days that I think further this uh, conversation. So starting on December 22nd, um, I had heard through many sources throughout the state that this could potentially be happening, um, and I reached out to Tom and a couple other uh, representatives, and I said, "Hey, I'm hearing about this. What are you hearing? Is there anything to this? And you know, what do we need to do to stop this?" And the response, uh, both in writing, which is just remarkable in this case, oh, m- many of the things I'm talking about today are, were done in writing and some by phone. Um, he emphatically uh, denied having any knowledge at all of this at that time on the 22nd. <laughs> um, I believe it was the next day on the 23rd that you had Jack Windsor on talking about the topic. Mm-hmm. And I believe Jack at the point, at the t- now obviously very correctly, uh, named Tom as one of the uh, list of 18. Um, I heard about this from Tom Patton because I had actually missed your show that morning. Don't hate me, Bob. For some reason, I didn't wasn't listening that morning. You're allowed to take a break had... once in a while. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom reached out to me and said, "Hey, I'm 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 getting you know 
getting uh, messages from some supporters, and they're saying you better not be doing this. And he, you know, he's basically he basically said, you know, of course he doesn't know who. And if you know, I don't think, as far as I know, he's ever been on your show or or others. And I talked with him, and again, you know, went through the conversation, and he emphatically denied, in in in, in pretty explicit terms, that he had no part in this, had no interest, was not part of it. He had announced his support to Derek Marin, and that was the end of it. <clears throat> so, Shannon, Shannon that, clar- I, I clarify: talked. this is this is still in December, right? December twenty third at this point. December twenty third. Okay, so we're still about two weeks away from the actual vote on January third. He said he is not a part of this. He's supporting Derek yep. Marin. Period. He, he was he was unambiguous yep. about that. Yeah, and I think his terms were in reference to somebody claiming he was going to do it in writing. That's BS in in full in full in full English. Okay. Um, so m- multiple conversations throughout the uh, Christmas time frame, and um, many you know. People talking to me, and I was fighting back on his behalf. You know, Strongsville GOP endorsed Tom Patton. In fact, we talked about it. We've been endorsing him for two decades. The first time in 2002 is when we endorsed him, and, and have since then. So he's a great friend of the, has been a great friend of the organization, and has been a, uh, uh, you know, there's votes that he's taken that aren't the best, but but as a as a whole, he's been a uh, a good. Uh, representative for Strongsville and in the surrounding areas, mm-hmm. um, but you know, and talking with him, multiple people had been reaching out and saying, "Hey, this isn't the case." And I was, you know, fighting back on his part and said, "Hey, you know, he's telling me directly, he's not part of this. He's not talking to any of these guys. He has no interest in it." Um, that goes all the way up until um, January second, uh, where he says uh, to me that, uh, and this was the most ironic thing that he put in writing to me that he was. You know that he was surprised about Derek Marin's interest in in pushing right to work uh, bills and and as such, which I'll get back to you because I've got a fact that I have to share with you, Bob, on that. Okay. But that's on the day before the vote. He's telling me that, and then he puts in writing. But I was, and uh, in, 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 I'm paraphrasing here. I, I was very happy that he was honest with me about that. <laughs> that Derek Marin was honest with him about the uh, about what. Uh, policy initiatives they were going to go forward with, which is ironic because he's texting me telling me this when he is actually lying to me, saying that he's going to support Derek Merritt. Uh, it's just one of the more ironic things. But what's even more ironic is come to find out <clears throat> on December 29th, uh, three, four days before he sent me that message, he actually had a direct conversation with Derek Merritt where Derek Merritt reminded him that he had been in, that Derek Merritt was endorsed by labor, was endorsed by Ohio Act Ohio, which is the State Labor uh, Association, I believe, right. and <clears throat> also was not supporting right to work and didn't believe that the, there was even support for it in the uh, caucus. So the whole concept that, that Tom was was uh, deciding to defect from the party and and do a deal with, you know, quite frankly, the the, the people who believe that babies should be killed and that uh, little boys should be in little girls' bathrooms when he went to deal with them. Uh, he he used the case that right to work was going to be brought up, which wasn't actually the case, and he knew that wasn't the case because uh, he had had a direct conversation about that. So what is the reason here? I mean, do these guys just power hungry? Do they just want to, you know, they need to have power so much that they were doing it at any cost? I mean, it's, you know, well, and, and let, let me jump into some of that. Here too much. 
Yeah. Yeah, let me jump into some of that, Shannon, because, um, you know, first of all, whether the right to work was going to be on the table or not, uh, can we just go to something as simple as, and I apologize for being simple-minded, maybe that's just what I am, with that that people gave their word. That that sixty seven right. members, except for one, I'm told, who walked out and did not want to be a part of that vote to uh, say, "Hey, whoever wins the vote in the caucus vote, would be chosen unanimously by the caucus." That everybody said they will support the winner, and if that winner is Marin, sixty seven votes for Marin. If it's the winner is Stevens, right. six. So it was thirty six thirty one, as I as I've been told. I think Jack told me the number was thirty six thirty one was a vote. And they all agreed, except for one, to vote for uh, for Derek Marin. And and how about that? How about oh man, I'm disappointed that maybe right to work is going to be on the table, or oh man, I'm disappointed that this might be you know Derek's stance on this other piece of legislation. I don't care if it's you know uh, saving women's sports or if it's backpack bills or anything else. I, I might be disappointed by that. The fact is, I gave my word. We all gave our word. We're going to support our guy. We're going to have our super majority, and we're going to work things out in the legislative session. How about that? Because that, to me, is the most well, frustrating about, thing, as far as as far as I'm concerned, is that people gave their words, you know, as Republicans, as conservatives, and then lied and 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 turned their back on their own word. That frustrates me. But go ahead. And and how about you know? Yes, they gave their word to other members, but how about they gave their word to voters that they right. were going to vote Republican? We right. we put a supermajority in the states. It wasn't it wasn't him that did that. And and clearly, you know, there, I've heard a few apologists talk about this and say, it, at first, everyone wants to make this about policy. This isn't about policy. Clearly, it wasn't about policy because they're lying about policy. That's not what this was about. This is about power, right? And they were willing to go do a deal and put risk of unborn children at risk because, you know, I'm sure you've talked, um, I don't know if you've talked this morning about it, but H.R. 6 is dead because these guys did this. They did a deal with the Democrats, and now the 60% rule will not make it to the floor because they're not even holding session right now. And, you know, the Senate's going to pass it, but the House is going to sit on it. And the reason for that is they did a deal with the Democrats here. And that's part of this whole thing is that if we want to talk about policy, great. This isn't the time to talk about policy because this wasn't about policy. This was about power. This is about, you know, a few people not liking the way the power structure turned out and deciding that they could do it better by doing a deal with the people that empowered the teachers unit and empowered. I mean, just look, we, we, in our email that we sent out to our members, <clears throat> you'll see, we put an article in there. It was ABC, I believe that, that posted it. It was an interview with minority leader Russo gleefully talking about all of the great things that came from them making the deal with the 20, the gang of 22. And, you know, the number one thing that I mean, all of those things that that Al Catrona and DJ Swearingen and other people I've interviewed said didn't happen, that there was there were no there was nothing offered. There was no deal. This was just they're making a choice to vote for one Republican or another. Well, I I think that some of these guys might actually truly believe that. I think they actually truly believe it, because, quite frankly, they're too low on the totem pole to even be part of a discussion that would happen in that deal. And and we you know we won't necessarily know every detail of the deal until we see. Yeah, how but you know what you know what, Shannon, I'm, I don't I don't let people off the hook that easily. If there was a gang of twenty two that decided to do this, they all talked among among themselves, and I'm sure they talked about what's right. it going to take to get enough. We're going to have to go get some Democrats. What's it going to take to get them? We're going to have to do some things here. Yep. I can't believe, and no yep. matter how low on the totem pole you are, or on the power structure, the hierarchy, whatever, I think they talked before they all decided. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to form this cabal, and we're going to we're going to go back on our word against our own party and our our caucus. Selected, um, uh, you know, speaker and speaker state. elect. 
Right. Yep. Yeah. I, so you know, so you're let, right, me, Bob. let me read. You're let me read as always. I, I want to read. Uh, I want to read a portion of the letter that you sent to uh, Representative Patton. Strongsville GOP leadership feels strongly that you violated your duties of allegiance to, follow, to fellow Republicans, and particularly conservative Republicans who have provided support for you over your entire political career. In collaborating with the Democrats for the selection of the Speaker, you have made Northeast Ohio and possibly the state of Ohio a laughingstock among other state governments. Allison Russo, House Minority Leader, recently was quoted as saying, it is beneficial to us at times that they are so divided. This is the last thing that Ohioans, particularly Republican voters from Northeast Ohio, need to deal with. The actions of you and the other 21 Republicans clearly indicates a rift within the party and a clear lack of commitment to conservatism in the state of Ohio. There are absolutely no valid reasons for the 22 of you to break ranks with the remainder of the House Republicans to make a deal that is not in the best interest of the Republican Party who represent the clear majority of voters in the state of Ohio. That's a pretty strong statement, Shannon. Uh, not that I disagree with the word of it. How surprised are you that you got in response from that or to that nothing from Representative Patton and only a single line from his uh, his legislative aide that says, "Yeah, we got nothing to say." It's so disappointing, Bob. It, you know, there's when I say there was unanimous support, there's unanimous support, and you've you've met our board. There's you know a significant number of of great patriots that are involved there, and for everyone to agree on one topic is tough by itself, but. It, it doesn't make us happy at all that this is happening. In fact, the best thing that could come out of this would be to, for Tom to recognize that he's made the worst mistake he's made of his career and to rem, uh, remedy it. He could remedy it by getting four of his other uh, gang of 22 or five others to go and vote for Derek Marion and let's vacate the speakership. Right? He can do that, and he will re, uh, he will find a way back to a position of trust within Strongsville GOP. If he can find a way to do that, that's what we'd really hope out of this. But, you know... Is the, that the, the only the is that the only thing he can do? Like, if if, if Derek Maron does not, you know, uh, is not uh, uh, elected or, or re-elected, if you will, if they vacate the speakership and, ho- and open it up again, uh, is there any way for Tom or any of the other twenty-one to bridge that uh, that divide now, or is this is this just it? It's time to primary them all when they come back up again. We're done supporting people like that. Well, the members of Strongsville GOP will speak on Monday the thirtieth when we have our meeting to talk through this topic. I can assume you know we asked for feedback, and I looked before I came on this morning. We already had almost a hundred emails come back from uh, in response to this email and. And by the way, for listeners that haven't read it, we are going to have this up at StrongsvilleGOP.org a little bit later this morning. Um, so you can go so and we'll, read we'll, what we wrote uh, we'll as well. Censure, will censure be on the table uh, on the 30th? And we're talking yeah. about real yeah. censure with real teeth. In other words, no endorsement and no campaign funding? Yeah, absolutely, it will be. All, all those tools are on the table. I, I will personally be making certain that there's an opportunity for him to make it right. Uh, I think that that is the way and the only way, in my, my opinion, to make this right is not just to vote for him, but to make him speaker. And if we do that and, and reinstill the trust that the voters instilled in him when we endorsed him, when we voted for him, when we went out and did door-to-door for him, that is the, I think that's the one path uh, to redemption here on earth, at least. And, you know, I think that's the, the, one of the best opportunities that we all could have is to convince these 22 that they've done something wrong, but there's a way forward from this. And the way forward is to <clears throat> correct their wrong. 
undo that, the deal. That remedy the is in the the Ohio uh, Constitution or in the bylaws uh, that you can it, it, have it, a vote to vacate. Absolutely, it is. How many, how many, how many members must, how many members must vote to vacate or move to vote to to vacate? A simple majority. It's a simple majority. Okay. So if a simple majority of the, uh, of the House says we're going to vacate that vote and we're going to have it all over again, and you think, um, you, you, well, let me ask you, any, on a one to ten, what is the likelihood that Representative Patton or any of the other 20, any of the gang of 22 will make that motion? So I, I only know Patton. Well, I know a couple of the other uh, members of 22, but I only know Patton well. And okay. I've always known what do you him. Think he, what do you be, think the chances are that he does that on a one to ten scale? Uh, at this point, at this point, I'm I'm definitely below a five because okay. uh, of his. I just I I am very. I'm almost at lack of words that he was not willing to respond. We gave him. You know, we we afforded him. We felt like an extraordinarily fair opportunity. We've got a very large reach, not anywhere as large as yours, Bob, but we have a fairly large reach. And we were presenting a, a letter that he had every opportunity to present his case right alongside of that letter and give everyone that opportunity. And he decided he didn't even have the courtesy to call one of us directly. He had a staff member say, I'm just not going to do it. He uses this crazy line. And, and let me just say something, Bob. I've heard this representative and others try to create a moral equivalency of using householder as their reason why it was okay to do this, anyone that wants to cite Larry Householder as the moral uh, barometer for taking an action action in the state of Ohio in the House of Representatives, I just don't understand. That that concept doesn't work with Republican voters. We like to have pay-for-play. We don't like to have this corruption and this crony capitalism sitting inside of the halls of, of our legislative bodies. We would like to see great policy and great initiatives get fixed and and move ohio forward part of that would have been things like ensuring that our constitution can be amended with abortion rights laws which is what the democrats are doing and these guys allowed them to do that because they're going to make that happen they made this deal and and i'll tell you what we are not in a position at strongsville gop to stand around on our hands yeah we we uh we actually put this process together when we confronted Anthony Gonzalez two years ago, and unfortunately we had to, you know, we had to dust off the pol- the process and the policy that we had put together, and and use that again. And you know, it doesn't make us happy, but it's the right thing to do. We need to stand right. up for our party, and, and uh... we cannot go the way of places like Kansas that had the exact same thing happen about 15 years ago. And now look where Kansas is. Abortion is the law of the land there. They have mixed government in a red state. Right. No, t- Shannon, it's uh, it is sad uh, for everybody because I know uh, how tight uh, Tom Patton has been through the years with a lot of conservative groups, including uh, GOP uh, organizations like Strongsville's, and to see that relationship sour now on this very, very poor decision, in my opinion, is very, very uh, is a very sad thing to see. I know there are some people who are conservative who are very close to him, and this hurts them a great deal to have to, you know, perhaps censure him or, uh, and of course, pull support from him over this. So I, I really hope he does yep. take some time and think about this, whether it be over householder or not. I hope he takes some time to think about this and reaches back out to you guys, and hopefully something can get done. Uh, Shannon Burns, president of the Strongsville GOP, uh, thank you so much for explaining everything to us, and we'll, we'll uh, follow up with you soon. Great, Bob. Thank you so much, and, and uh, absolutely keep up the fight. Love what you're doing. Thank you, Shannon. Appreciate that. 957, Always Right Radio is right back.
You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Onward we roll. Hour number two on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for being with us. So thanks to Shannon Burns. Very tough situation. Very, very tough situation for uh, uh, for some really good people who are strong conservatives who have had good working relationships with Representative Patton in the years that he's been in office. And uh, uh, I'm sure there's others like that, too. In other parts of the state, gang, parts of the Gang of 22 or members of the Gang of 22 who have alienated conservative groups, friends, um, you know, uh, leaders, and more uh, with this inexplicable decision to partner with and to essentially defer to Democrats to lead state government. It's a, it's a very, very bizarre thing. We're hopeful that Tom Patton... I um, was approached on Saturday when I spoke at McFan, Medina County Friends and Neighbors, by uh, an associate or friend or supporter or whatever of Representative Patton who came to me and said, you know, Tom Patton wants to come on the show and, and talk about this. And I said, happy to. Let's let's do this thing. Gave my phone number, said, call me up. We'll arrange a time. And uh, I said, can I have his number? And he said, well, I'll just let him call you. And I was, okay. And he, he talked to me for about a good six, seven minutes and told me all the things that Tom Patton wanted to tell me and to tell everybody and to use a forum to, to explain himself. I'm more than happy to do that. More than happy. I gave Shannon Burns all the time he wanted to say, this is why we're angry with Tom Patton and what we want him to respond to. And I'll give Tom Patton a chance to respond. Absolutely. Better believe it. Count on it. Uh, so, Tom, uh, please, anybody who's associated with Representative Patton, uh, he'll get a fair shake. I will promise you that. I don't like Republican-on-Republican Republican violence. Use that word figuratively, of course. It's not actual violence. But I don't like Republican-on-Republican Republican violence. I'm a believer in the, you know, the Reagan uh, uh, 11th Commandment. I get that. Um, I'll treat everybody fair. Later on, I'm going to talk to Lee Weingart. In about a half an hour, we're going to talk to Lee Weingart, who, who was the uh, Cuyahoga County Republican Party candidate for uh, uh, county executive. He was a Cuyahoga County executive uh, candidate, and uh, I supported him. I know a lot of Republicans supported him. Now he wants to take over the Cuyahoga County Republican Party. He wants to remove the sitting chair, Lisa Sticken. And ever since that news broke uh, in private circles, I have been uh, being hit up by a whole bunch of people, some associated with Lisa Stick and some not, some just Cuyahoga County Republicans who are telling me uh, this is a bad idea. It's a bad idea because of ABC, D, D and E, and there's going to be a battle there between and among Republicans. I don't like it. But I'm going to do my best to mediate it. I'm going to do my best to be fair to everybody. I'm going to be fair to Lee Weingart when I ask him tough questions in a half an hour. I'm going to be fair to Lisa Sticken if she comes on tomorrow uh, and ask her tough questions. Uh, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to beat anybody up. I don't like Republican on Republican violence. But and again, that's figurative. But the Demo- or excuse me, <clears throat> the Republicans who um, went all trans uh, in the state house on January third. Um, I've got a big problem with them. I've got a big problem with them. I'll still treat them fairly, but I've got a big problem with them. And you know what I mean by trans. I talked about this in Medina County Friends and Neighbors, too. The trans movement, the LGBTQ movement that I was just talking about in the, in the monologue this morning, 
the trans movement you know is a little bit out of control when you've got men trying to transition into women, women trying to transition into men, boys trying to transition into girls, girls trying to transition into boys, boys and girls trying to transition into puppies, dogs probably trying to transition into cats and cats into dogs, and you know you've gone really, really too far when you have Republicans transitioning into Democrats. And that's what happened with the Gang of 22. They're all trans. They identify now as Democrats. They went to the Democrats and said, hey, help give us uh, control here. We don't want Derek Maron and the full supermajority of our party to set the, the legislative agenda. We want to set the legislative agenda ourselves, and we will let you be a part of that, Democrats, if you come along. So we got 22 trans members of the Ohio uh, uh, Republican Party caucus in the state house. 22 of them transitioned to Democrats right before our very eyes. Uh, let's go to Mike in Lakewood. Hey, Mike, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go right ahead, sir. Yeah, this morning you were talking about the Philadelphia fire, fire hockey player. Yeah. And you said, how come he can't just celebrate what he wants? How come you never gave the same consideration to Colin Kaepernick when he was being canceled by people like yourself? Nobody canceled Colin Kaepernick. No one canceled me? Colin Kaepernick. What do you mean, am I kidding You're, you? Of course not. What do you, how, how was he canceled? He, he, not, he was denied a job. Hello? He was never denied a job, Mike. You better, uh, you better reread your news stories. Colin Kaepernick voluntarily quit his job with the San Francisco 49ers to become a free agent. He thought he'd have more value. Let me finish. He thought he'd have more value out there on the open market. And then come to find out, nobody thought he was a starting quarterback anymore. Nobody offered him uh, a, a free agent contract to the size that he wanted. He sat out. He chose not to play for the Niners anymore. He chose to go on the open market, and he found no takers. Then, for the next two years, he pretended to want to get back into football, and every time somebody gave him a tryout, including the Dolphins, including the Seahawks, including the Broncos, he went to those tryouts and sabotaged the actual tryouts because he didn't want to play. He wanted to continue to be the martyr and say, I've been blackballed from the NFL, and so that people like you will call radio shows and sound stupid. It worked, and you'll and, and you will just give these fairy tales like you just told. Tell, tell me what. Tell me what's but, incorrect. What? Tell me what's incorrect. I can cite and source every single word I just said. Go ahead. You and do cite it right and now. source for me. You cite and source for me anything that says he was blackballed because he no. started to uh, to kneel during you the go, national anthem. Cite and source it right at this moment. That's what you're asking me to do. Can you? Can you? I just told you. I gave you the names of the teams that gave him the tryout for crying out loud. Read it. Look it up. How many? Stop how being many, a no, blind no, no, leftist. No, no. Stop You're being telling... a blind leftist advancing propaganda and false narratives. Are you denying that Colin Kaepernick voluntarily left the 49ers? He turned down his player option to come back to the Niners and make millions because he knew he was going to sit the bench because he had lost whatever skills he had when he went to the Super Bowl a couple of years prior. He knew he was going to sit the bench. He knew they weren't going to start him, so he said, the heck with this, I'm going to leave and go somewhere else and make more money and, be, and, and start, only to find out that nobody else thought, just, just like the Niners did, that he was a starting caliber quarterback anymore. He was offered opportunities to be a backup. He said could no. You please, could you please tell me how do you know what was going on in Colin Kaepernick's mind? 
Are you a you mind reader? Well, well, hold on a second. Did yes. did he or did he not leave the 49ers voluntarily? There are how many other Mike, teams answer this NFL? question, yes or no. Did he leave the 49ers? Did he quit his job with the Niners voluntarily? This is very easily searchable. You can look it up for yourself, but you already know the answer. I want to hear you say it. Did he leave the... No, 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 no. The next words out of your mouth are going to be yes or no, or I disconnect this call. Did Colin Kaepernick quit his job? Thank you. Then don't tell me he was blackballed. He chose to leave. How many other teams are there besides the San Francisco 49ers? What does that have to do with anything? Are you trying to tell me the Cleveland Browns couldn't have used the quarterback of his caliber? Of his caliber? He sucked, Mike. He did not suck. Mike, Mike, you need to learn two things. Number one, you need to learn political ideology because you're a leftist. Clearly, you are lost in the woods there. And you need to learn football. Thank you for the phone call. Colin Kaepernick sucked. There is a reason why. With all of the... Uh, the 32 National Football League teams, nobody called him to be a starter. They did call him and say, come and have a trial. We're looking for depth on our quarterback roster. We're looking for backups. We're looking for an opportunity to find some depth. Would you come and try out? He sabotaged tryouts. He went down to to Miami, he went to Seattle, he went to Denver, and immediately started making racist comments and claiming that he, in other words, announcing to the management at the teams that were giving him tryouts that if you sign me, I am going to be a public pain in the A. I'm going to continue to race bait. I'm going to continue to do my leftist politics. I'm going to continue to to, to uh, support Fidel Castro. I'm going to continue to support communism. I'm going to continue to castigate those who believe in capitalism. I'm going to be a pain in your ass for your entire PR staff. I'm going to, I'm going to alienate fans. Now, please, go ahead and sign me as a backup quarterback. Do you realize how utterly stupid you people sound? Mike and Lakewood, do you realize how utterly stupid that is? What team is going to go through that public relations nightmare for an attention-getting communist, an attention-whoring communist, whose mission was to become what he is, an activist. He's making more money as an activist, getting contracts from Nike as an activist than he was ever going to make playing football again. That's why he sabotaged his tryouts. He'd go in there and try out and and, and make sure that everybody knew that his skills were nowhere near enough to counterbalance his, his the problems he was going to cause for a franchise. That's the reality of the situation. He knows he was going to make a lot more money, and he wouldn't have to take hits, and he wouldn't actually have to go out there and try to play the game that he was no longer very good at. He had tryouts as recently as last year. He was invited, and he wants nothing to do with it. He is making millions as a martyr. That's his new job title, martyr-slash-activist. Hell, it's probably on his business cards. No National Football League general manager or team owner is going to sign a backup quarterback who is going to cause more headaches than he can provide production. No one. Now, if Colin Kaepernick had the skills, say, of Aaron Rodgers, if he had the talent, say, of Tom Brady, if he was as good, 
say, as Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. If he was that good, there might be some NFL teams. In fact, I guarantee you there'd be some NFL teams who say, that's going to be our starter, and we're going to go to the playoffs, and we're going to deal with the -the off-the-field headaches he causes. Because it's worth the investment. But if you've got backup quarterback skills, which is what Colin Kaepernick had at the time he quit the Niners, and is what, which is what he had when he sabotaged all those other uh, tryouts, nobody is going to say the reward is worth that risk. Nobody's going to say the investment we make in him is going to be worth it. It's going to pay off. He's a backup. So left-wing Mike, I appreciate you calling. I really do. I really, really, truly mean that. We need calls from, from, from buffoons to really, truly underscore the points that we make, those of us who actually understand these things. We do. We, we need to hear from buffoons. We need to hear from, from shallow thinkers in order to really, really uh, make everybody understand. So thank you for that call. It's 1021 right back. So, um... Just one quick follow-up on uh, the call that I just had and a point that it, it escaped me at the moment, but I've thought about it since then. Perhaps the most bizarre part of that phone call was that the leftist in Lakewood who, uh, who made it wanted to compare the Russian hockey player who wouldn't go out there for warm-ups wearing rainbow sweaters before his NHL game to Colin Kaepernick who wouldn't stand for the national anthem. You catch that? You understand that? That's the mentality of these people. That's the mentality of the American leftist. He equated Colin Kaepernick refusing to stand to honor America by way of the playing of the national anthem, celebrating the blood shed by by patriots and heroes for, for two and a half centuries Colin Kaepernick wouldn't stand for that, and the the leftist caller from Lakewood said that's the equivalent of a Russian hockey player playing for the Philadelphia Flyers, not wanting to support the rainbow flag and and uh, LGBTQ pride movement. You get them. You see, you see the the insanity. This is the kind of person who wants the rainbow pride flag to fly up next to the American flag, maybe. Eh, maybe even a little bit higher. Maybe even a little bit higher. The comparison there is just so bizarre. And if you missed the beginning of the show, I was uh, bringing you the information. Philadelphia Flyers uh, uh, hockey player uh, Ivan Provorov has been attacked and has been uh, canceled, if you will, for being a quote-unquote homophobe because he refused to take part in his team's pride festivities yesterday. And again, why they did this yesterday, I don't know. Pride Month isn't until June, which is already the most ridiculous thing in the history of all American, quote-unquote, holidays or celebratory periods. Uh, Pride Month is an entire month long. Anyway, Ivan Provorov said he is Russian Orthodox in his religion, as well as his own personal beliefs, uh, forbid him from participating in, by wearing rainbow sweaters and t- putting rainbow tape on their hockey sticks when they came up to warm up during their warm-ups before the game against the Anaheim Ducks. 
He said, I respect everybody and everybody's choices, but my choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. That's not good enough. The left went nuts. How dare they not bench him? They let him play in that game. I think that's terribly unfair. The Flyers coach said he can be himself. Provy's going to be himself, and I'm not going to criticize him for that, and that's good. That part is a good thing. The coach did and said the right thing there. But uh, the the radical left, like the caller from Lakewood just now, they think this guy should be benched, if not cut. They think that he should be benched. They think he shouldn't have a, t- a job anymore because he refused to bend the knee at the, f- at the uh, feet of the LGBTQ movement. And I said what I said, and I'll say it again. It's proof positive. The LGBTQ movement is not about tolerance. They call people like Provorov intolerant. Yet they are the ones who refuse to tolerate his own personal individualism. They refuse to tolerate his individualism while they scream, celebrate our individual individualism. The LGBTQ movement is predatory. It looks for victims. It looks for people. It looks for prey to attack. It's dictatorial. You must join the crowd and raise that rainbow flag and celebrate our gayness and our queerness and our transness and our whatever else all of the different symbols and and letters stand for you must celebrate it or we are coming for you you must celebrate our lifestyle choices no matter how much you agree with them or disagree with them or how much you like them or think they're perverted and deviant it doesn't matter you must celebrate or you will face public ostracism and you will face public cancellation and that's what they did to this guy and lefty mike from lakewood says that's the same thing as colin kaepernick's not standing for the national anthem of the united states of america all right, it's 1030. We're going to take a time out. We're going to come back. We're going to dive back into Ohio politics, more specifically Northeast Ohio politics, most specifically Cuyahoga County Republican politics. There is a chair at the head of the RPCC, or CCRP, if you will. There is a chair, um, and there's somebody who wants to boot that chair out of the spot and take it over himself. Lee Weingart is that somebody, and he's going to join us next to tell us why on AM 1420 The Answer. Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. 1037 now. We continue on this Wednesday. Thanks so much for being with us. Jack Windsor going to join me at 11.10. We're going to talk about a couple of very, very important issues involving Ohio schools, uh, not the least of which is Hilliard. Big federal lawsuit filed by a uh, Columbus attorney yesterday. We talked to Josh Brown about it over the Hilliard schools, uh, blocking parents out of uh, <laughs> how their kids are being educated and what kinds of things they are being exposed to. So it's a big story, and Jack will tell us more about it coming up at 11.10. Joining me now, however, let's dive back into local politics, particularly Cuyahoga County uh, politics. Spoke with Shannon uh, Burns in hour number one about the situation involving the Gang of 22 in Columbus. Now we welcome Lee Weingart to our program to talk about county Republican leadership. Lee Weingart, of course, is the former candidate for the Cuyahoga County executive position. Uh, Lee, good to have you on board this morning. How are you? Good morning, Bob. How are you? Doing very well. Well, eh, doing okay, I guess. I think we could be better. 
because we, <laughs> we, we, we got a lot of division in our party, Lee. I, I, I think as a... Uh, yeah. You know, as a conservative Republican, I can't say I'm great right now or I'm outstanding right now. Yeah. I'm a little bit perplexed by what's going on yeah. at the state level, even at the local levels. How about you? Yeah. Well, I am. Uh, and so let me give you a little history of kind of where things stood and I guess where they are right now. Well, um, let me let me remind anybody who oh, doesn't go, know go, why go, you're go. here. Uh, yeah, let me do the sure. introduction then. Uh, yeah, specifically, uh, the Calgary County Republican Party is currently currently being led by Lisa Sticken, who has, I understand, it two more years in her four-year term as chair of the party. And, uh, of course, Rob Frost was the chair before that, and we used to have Rob on on a regular basis as well. We try to stay very closely in touch with leadership of the party. And uh, uh, now uh, Lisa is facing a challenge for that leadership, and that challenge comes from Lee Weingart. And so that's why we're having Lee on this morning to tell us exactly why he feels like there needs to be a change and why uh, this is the time to do it. So uh, now with that little introduction and backdrop, go ahead. Give us the history as you see sure. it as, uh, as to why you feel like this is something you need to do so i guess one correction uh is that this is not lee weingart leading the charge um after the election mm-hmm. uh, a number of members of the republican central committee reached out to me to express their deep disappointment you know in the results my loss joan sinnenberg losing nan baker losing uh us losing everything uh, other than tom Patton who held on uh and they were very frustrated with the lack of support from the county party now, they didn't get a slate card printed in time to be useful for early votes or uh, Election Day. The Victory Center they set up was in a distant corner of Cuyahoga County and didn't have power and light uh, for the first two weeks it was open. Uh, and then massive failure to return emails, phone calls asking for yard signs and opportunities to, to uh, volunteer on campaigns. So they wanted to uh, replace uh, Lisa as the chair. And they asked me if I would be interested. And I said I would, you know, ask around. And so I talked to some of the candidates, you know, who had run with me in 2022. They were disenchanted with the party leadership. I talked to many of the donors to my campaign who had been big donors to the party, giving thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 to the party uh, every couple of years. They have all stopped giving uh, since Lisa became the chairman in 2020. And so there was a consensus that Lisa's not doing a good job uh, and that she should be replaced and that it should be done now and not with her term ends in a year and three months in May of 2024, because that would be too disruptive in the middle of a presidential campaign. So uh, a number of the members of the committee got together and they drafted a petition uh, pursuant to the rules of the party. And the petition and the rules of the party basically say, that if 10% of the members of the Central Committee sign a petition, there must be a meeting of the Central Committee. And if 75 members show up, you've got a quorum, and that quorum can then undertake any business it wishes of the Central Committee that's not otherwise prohibited by rule or statute. So in a simple way of putting it, if 10% of Central Committee sign a petition and 75 show up, they can undertake anything they want. And in this case, the motion that was circulated in the petition was a motion to vacate the office of chairman, which just means to remove the current chairman. So you needed 10% of such members to sign the petition. That would be 41 people because there are currently 406 people at central committee. Uh, and when the petition was submitted last Friday, 103 members had signed it. 
Okay. Which is a remarkable so number of people. Let me, let me, let me try to get some clarification there because the people I, I, I have been hearing from a lot of people since this whole thing began, since this announcement was made that you were seeking to, uh, uh, to vacate the chair and so forth and, and to, uh, and to take over the party. Uh, people that I have spoken to have said that there is nothing in the bylaws that allows such a vacation motion, vacating the chair motion, short of malfeasance in office. In other words, office. In other words, uh, there would have to be evidence of somebody in the chair, uh, you know, who is who is who is the chair committing crimes or committing violations. That it can't just be. Well, I don't think he or she is doing a good enough job. And from what I was told, they ran this by the parliamentarian, and that is exactly what they said. So, is there actually a a within the bylaws um, ability for this to even take place before we get into whether or not you should be that person or who should be that person? Because uh, that's that's the information I've been given by a lot of people. Yeah. So the bylaws do not address directly the removal of the chairman uh, for any cause or no cause. But I'll read you the section that I think is the most important. Uh, a majority of a quorum, which is seventy five people shall have the power to transact any business of the committee unless otherwise provided by statute or rule. Now, any business of the committee seems to me to suggest you could entertain a motion to vacate the chair. There's no other provision in the rules that says you can't undertake that motion. And in the absence of a prohibition of that motion, I believe that uh, a quorum could proceed on that motion. So there's nothing. I, I'd in like the rule. to know what the definition of quote business of the committee is, and also who who gets to define it. Um, you know, yeah, because I mean, one so would think that one would think that the current leadership of the committee would be a part of deciding what the business is. In other words, when meetings are held, new business, old business, so on and so forth, it's something that would be decided by leadership. Uh, can just anybody say, "Hey, I've got business. I want to get rid of the speaker or the chair." I should say, "I want to get rid of the chair." So that's that's business. Let's do it. Uh, I don't know. How yeah, I'm just. Yeah, I'm just going by the customary definition of words, transact any business, uh, unless otherwise provided by statute or rule. So I searched the rules. There's nothing in here that prohibits a motion to remove the chairman early or midterm. So in the absence of any prohibition, uh, I believe the committee can meet if it meets the requirements of uh, a quorum and providing the notice that's required. And the notice is six days ahead of the meeting. Uh, okay. So the petition called for a meeting on January 28th. So if notice goes out by January 22nd, that is a duly called meeting. If a 75 members of some committee show up for that meeting, you've got a quorum. And if that quorum decides by a majority uh, through a motion to vacate the office of chairman, then I see nothing in the rules that tells me that the office is not then vacated. Okay. Uh, like I said, I, I'm only going by what I've been. I have not read yeah. those bylaws. I have just heard also a paraphrase of what the parliamentarian says here, which is that short of malfeasance, there actually is no no way to remove a, a, a you know a sitting chair. But that is something obviously that will have to be hashed out. So let let's yeah. move on, Lee Weingart, to the next important question here, which is if there is to be a change at the leadership of the uh, Republican Party of Calgary County, uh, that you are the right person for that job. Now okay. I have I have heard from a lot of people are saying this is this is a joke, right? 
He wants to lead the Republican Party. By the way, when you ran for Calgary County Executive, as you know, I had you on and I supported you and endorsed you and told everybody to get out there and donate to your campaign and, and, uh, and to try to win this thing because it's important. And the reason I did that, of course, is you were running against a Democrat. And it's high time yep. to get some strong Republican leadership at the county level to try to fix some of what is broken. So yep. while I was saying support Lee Weingart because you were running against a Democrat, um, you were engaging in donating and supporting to Democrats who were running, running against Republicans. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot of people have this very basic question. You know, Tim Ryan, Sherrod Brown, Marcy Kaptur, Richard Cordray, Ted Strickland, Jennifer Bruner, and a pre- the previous Cuyahoga County Executive, Armin Butish, um, you have donated somewhat significant sums of money to some, some minor sums to the others, but these are all Democrats that you have donated to. So if a person is that committed to donating to a wide variety of Democrats, Lee, how can that person want to lead the Republicans in the in Cuyahoga County? Yeah, so let's talk about the Tim Ryan donation. Uh, I did donate to Tim Ryan in the primary election uh, in 2021. Uh, well, you've been donating is, to him, you've been donating to him for a couple of decades, though. In reality, oh, no, the first one sure. was 2007. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I've got I have, this whole list in front yeah, of me here. 2009. Of no, uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, on. but the one that they they seem to want to use against me, and it's interesting that they are attacking me personally rather than defending Lisa's record as chairman, and it's a failed record, as we know. They've tried to pivot. Uh, and deflect onto attacking me personally, which is fine. I, I'm used to being attacked. Lee, 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 with all due respect, I don't see this as personal. I I see this as you you want to be the Republican leader, and you've donated to Democrats. I yeah. don't think that's a personal yeah. attack on character. So, that is, wait okay. a minute, where does your loyalty lie, with the Republican sure. Party or the Democrat Party? I think it's sure. a fair question. Yeah, uh, fine. So over the years, uh, I have do- donated Democrats and Republicans. By the way, so did Donald Trump. Uh, when he was a businessman. So I don't know that donating to Democrats uh, takes you out of bounds uh, as being good Republican. I, in well, the last- well, well, now hold on a second. I've heard that before, sure. too. Um, President Trump, when he was just businessman Trump, was a Democrat. He identified and, and said he was a Democrat, and he donated to a lot of Democrats. Once he became a Republican, and much, much more importantly, once he became a Republican candidate, he was no longer donating to Democrats. You were a Republican candidate for county executive. At the very same time, you were donating to Tim Ryan, knowing full well, and, and, and I'd like you to speak to this part of it, knowing full well that the balance of power in the United States Senate was at risk here. We are a deeply red state, as you can tell by the, the results all over the state, from the supermajorities in both houses of the General Assembly to the governor's yep. office and so on and so forth to all the primary state offices. We're a giant red state, and we were about to have two Democrat senators representing us, Sherrod yep. Brown and, and Tim Ryan. Right. By your donation so- to Tim Ryan... One could one could surmise that you were you would rather have Democrat Tim Ryan in that seat than J.D. Vance, a red state Republican representing a red state. Can I don't think you that? can surmise that, Bob. So I gave Tim Ryan money in the primary when he, he had no Republican opponent. I gave J.D. Vance twice as much money in the general election that I gave to Tim Ryan in the primary. I fully supported J.D. Vance in the general election. I got others to donate to his campaign. I attended fundraisers with uh, for J.D. Vance. So in the general election, I supported J.D. Vance. That There's no question about that. 
Uh, but but, but so very, very, I, I, very, but very quickly to that point, though, Lee, we're talking to Lee Weingart, who is um, uh, kind of mounting something of a challenge for the leadership of the uh, uh, RPCC uh, uh, chairmanship. Um, it's It's been brought to my attention as well, though, that you very intentionally would not include your campaign literature in Republican literature mailings that included J.D. Vance uh, literature. Uh, so that is, many many well, say that that's because you know you donated not just once or twice but three different times in that part three different donations of a thousand dollars each to Tim during that primary time. Why did you not want to have your literature mixing with JDs? So that's not tr- that's not accurate at all. So um, we provided the the county party is in such bad shape with volunteers that we provided most of the volunteers on the door activities you know literature drops. They wanted us to be in with 16 other candidates. So if someone puts um, an envelope or a package on your front door with 16 pieces of literature in it, mine and others, what are the chances you're going to go through those 16 pieces of literature? Pretty small. You're probably going to take it and put it in the trash can. Because we were, we were supplying the vast majority of those walking door to door. We felt like we should put our information out uh, solely so that we'd have a chance for the voters to read our, our literature. And so it's nothing to do with J.D. Vance or anybody else. Uh, we're providing the volunteers. We want to make sure that the voters saw our, our lit piece. That's, I mean, that's. Okay. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's a fine answer to the, to the question. And, and if that's what you're going with, I have no reason to doubt that. I do want to go back to the money, though. Why, why $3,000 to Tim Ryan in an uncontested Democrat primary? There was nobody there. You just, you were just putting $3,000 into his coffers that you knew he was going to use in what turned out to be a mammoth, like seven month long television campaign against JD Vance. You contributed three grand not to help him win the primary. He was already winning the primary. There was nobody there. Why do you like Tim Ryan so much? Why, why is that money, especially in what we knew was such a very, very dangerous midterm election with a 50-50 Senate, then we need to make sure we, we get that to 51-49 red. Right. Um, you're giving three grand to this guy. Uh, you heard yeah. his attacks. You heard his lies all summer long on television, and you're, right. you floated him three grand. Lee Weingart, give me clear, a clear explanation as sure. to why. Three grand out of 50 million, I think he raised in that campaign. And the money that I donated to him was in the primary, and it was used in the primary. So it had nothing to do with any attack ads he had against J.D. Vance, and I gave J.D. I, I think I just covered that, though, Lee. Come on now. Yeah, let me, right. Let's be real with okay. each other here. He didn't have a primary. There was nobody to fight with he in the spent, primary. He, he was, the, he was going to be the Democrat nominee. You know it, and I know it. All so from the very beginning. And any money you give primary. him is going to be any Look, yeah. any money you give him, I mean, let's just, you know, if you want to play that game, let's just say it this way. If you gave him three grand in the primary, and he spent it on the primary, it's three grand he didn't have somewhere else that he didn't have to spend. So he could but then use that. Either way, you gave him money to spend against the Republican Party, against the Republican candidate for Senate. If you if you gave it to him in March, I I, in April, or you yeah. gave it to him in July, either way, yeah. it's three grand that he had to use. And and again, we know he was going to use it to try to give the Democrats the majority in the Senate. Isn't it? Wasn't it crucial to stop Tim Ryan? Much less help Tim Ryan. I mean, Republic. Every Republican I know. On the air, privately, at fundraisers, at speeches I've given, every everybody I know was saying we got to stop Tim Ryan, and yeah. and and now our county executive candidate. I didn't know this at the time. 
had given him $3,000 to help him. Yeah. Why, Lee? I don't get it. What, what is your affinity for Tim Ryan? What is your so affinity two with, years ago for I Marcy Kaptur? You know, $1,000 in 2020? I don't I get that. Yeah, so I've worked with members of Congress over the last 20 years on behalf of clients. Mm-hmm. And so my donations to Republicans far outweigh my donations to Democrats. But I have donated Democrats, and I'm not high anything here. Uh, in the last two years, uh, I donated over a quarter million dollars to Republican candidates, and I raised another 1.2 million for Republican candidates. So if anybody questions my support of the Republican Party and Republican candidates, just look at my record. It's, it's, not, and then it's over- not your support of Republicans that's at issue. It's your support of Democrats. Um, I, I vote and support Republicans exclusively. I don't donate to Democrats. Democrats, in my estimation, are what's wrong with this country. Democrats think that men can have babies. Democrats think that babies should be able to be aborted up until the ninth month. Democrats don't believe in school choice. Democrats don't believe in securing our border. Lee, Democrats like Tim Ryan are what's wrong with this country. Donating to Democrats calls into question one's true loyalty to conservative constitutional Republican principles, doesn't it? I don't think it does. Uh, I was very clear in my election for county executive what I would do as a Republican, uh, reducing, freezing taxes, reducing income taxes on people, shrinking the size of the government, all Republican principles. And in my own election. In the general election, as I said, I supported J.D. Vance to the hilt, $6,000 in contributions, worked to get people to vote for him for U.S. Senate, attended events with him. So I was on board Team J.D. Vance in the general election. Um, so let me ask you one other tough question on this, Lee, because, again, this is you're asking Cuyahoga County uh, uh, Republicans to support you in, in, in leading the party going forward. So I think all of this stuff matters. And by the way, I do have a plan to talk to Lisa on tomorrow's program, and I'm going to ask her the tough questions about everything you raised about the current state of the party and her leadership. So she'll get, she'll get her, her chance tomorrow. But this is the last tough one for you. Why... In March of 2021, two months after the vote to impeach President Trump without due process, why did you join a fundraiser for one of the 10 Republicans who joined that group and voted to impeach him without due process? You were at a fundraiser with uh, uh, listed as a named uh, 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 guest, along with uh, former Speaker John Boehner, and it was a fundraiser for Anthony Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you support Anthony Gonzalez after he voted to impeach President Trump without due process? So I uh, supported Anthony Gonzalez because uh, he helped one of our clients. Uh, a, a good client of ours uh, had an important project to be done, and Anthony carried it for us. Plain and simple. This, you know, so, I am, so, so, I'm a lobbyist. So you put, uh, I, I get it. You are. I understand that. Um, but, but if one were to hear that... Absent any other context, one would just say that you just said that you put the interests of your clients above the interests of your country. You voted for Anthony Gonzalez. I'm sorry, you supported Anthony Gonzalez, who just voted to impeach a sitting president without due process, without any defense whatsoever being put up uh, in the House of Representatives because they knew they had to get it done before January 20th. They knew they had to get it done before uh, Trump left office. That's what had to happen. And they, they went through it. So in other words, they they... They circumvented the the spirit, if not the letter of the rules and the laws of impeachment to get rid of Donald Trump, to humiliate him, try to ruin him, make sure he can never come back and run again. 
that affects our country. And you're saying that basically, yeah, well, but uh, Anthony helped my clients, so I'm going to help Anthony. Is that, is, am, I, am I stating it wrong? Well, what I, I wrote a, a donation to Anthony Gonzalez uh, because he was helpful to a client of mine. Does that mean that I uh, agree with everything he did in office? Of course not. I don't agree with anybody's, all everybody votes that, that, that somebody takes. So um, we were thankful on behalf of our client. I gave him a thousand dollars, and it doesn't mean I, su- I support his vote to impeach Donald Trump or anything else. It just means that I was at that moment thankful to the support he gave our client, and I was asked by a friend to be part of the fundraiser, and I donated a thousand dollars to a Republican. <laughs> well, okay, uh, yeah, he he was a Republican, uh, but of course. The fact that he voted to impeach a Republican president without due process kind of called into question his true Republican credentials. That's but my, but my donation was not a was not a uh, uh, support of that vote. Okay, well, it's a support of the man, right? If it's a support of the man, uh, and he is the man that made that vote. I mean, look, we we vote for, or excuse me, we donate funds. Not just you, we everybody, anybody who donates to political candidates. Um, you're voting for what they do and what they are and what they and, and, and how they represent us. Well, he represented his constituents by voting to impeach a president without due process, giving him money. Yeah, but, Bob, is, but, but, uh, but a, a contribution is not an endorsement of everything that the candidate stands for. I doubt there's anybody in public office that you would say I'm 100 percent aligned with that person on every vote that they take. No, definitely and I'm not, not. Definitely not. No, and, I agree and, with you. And I'm not aligned yeah. and I'm not aligned with anybody in either party. Uh, on ed- every vote that they take. No, I, I, I completely concur. I completely concur. So, I'm not so, saying yeah, I agree so with was, everything was, that, yeah, I mean, I voted for J.D. Vance, and I don't know if I'll agree with everything he does. But I yeah, can tell you this, yeah. if he or anybody else does something as disgraceful as vote to impeach a president, joining all of the Democrats, all of the Democrats, to impeach a president without giving him due process, I can promise you that guy's not getting another nickel from me. I don't care who yep. it is. I don't care. I don't care. Yep. It's Abraham Lincoln. You, yep. you, you do enough, something Bob. like that. Yep. I'm not gonna. I'm not. You know. You're not getting my money. That's just. That, but that's. Me. I understand. I mean, uh, fair enough. Uh, well, Lee, uh, listen. This is, a, that vote. this is a difficult thing. I said last half hour before you came on. I hate Republican on Republican violence, and I use that term figuratively, of course. I don't. I like the Reagan Eleventh Commandment. I don't like believe Republicans are attacking Republicans. But when there are disputes, like there are here. I am going to be fair to everybody. I'm going to give everybody their say. Tomorrow, Lisa will come on, and I'm going to ask her questions about everything you brought up about the state of the party, its funding, its leadership, and more. Uh, and then we're going to see where the chips fall. Um, uh, but that seems I, very fair. That's all I want to do, and I want to give everybody all of the best information they can before they decide how they want to tell uh, you know, members of the, uh, of the, uh, uh, of the GOP and the, uh, the, the uh, Republican Party of Calgary County. Uh, what they would like to see happen here and what kind of leadership they want going forward. So these are tough questions. I know that. You expected them, so I appreciate and, uh, and uh, respect you for coming on to talk about it. And uh, we'll see where it falls. And one day again, we'll talk with you either at the head of the, uh, of the, of the party or uh, as somebody who tried it and is still interested in helping. One way or another, we'll follow up with you, okay? Thanks, Bob. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Thank you, Lee. That's Lee Weingart. Okay. It's 11 o'clock, and it's time for news. And Jack Windsor will react to that and a whole lot more coming up on AM 1420 The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. You and I know 
And do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three is underway at nine minutes past 11 o'clock on this Wednesday. It's the 18th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Appreciate you being with us. Appreciate uh, Lee Weingart for joining us last uh, segment as well. That was uh, that's a tough thing. Tough questions. He knew there were going to be tough questions. He was willing to come on and answer them anyway, and he should. If he wants to run the Ohio or the uh, Cuyahoga County Republican Party and be the chair and replace the current chair by by vacating the speakership or the excuse me the chairmanship rather, uh, you know, if he wants to do that, he's going to have to face tough questions. And uh, I think there are there are enough of them to say if you want to lead the Republican Party, but you are donating a lot of money to Democrats, there's a there's a there's a conflict there, and it needs to be explained. So um, I hope it was fair. And I'm going to be fair tomorrow when I talk to Lisa Stickin and we talk about the state of the party. It is underfunded right now. There were a lot of losses in, in the midterm elections. We're going to talk about why that is and what she thinks she can do to fix it, why she should stay where she is and why Lee Weingart's challenge is wrong. So I'm going to give her the same chance. Like I said, I don't like Republican on Republican violence, but if there is going to be you know, Republicans, if there are going to be Republicans at loggerheads, I'm going to be fair to both of them. I'm going to let you hear and see everything that there is to know and then make up your own mind on what you want to do in terms of support. Let the chips fall where they may. So that's where we are. All right. As it is uh, Wednesday, uh, that means it's time for our good friend. Our special Wednesday commentator, of course, is my good friend Jack Windsor, the founder and editor of the Ohio Press Network. He is also my partner on Talking Smack with Bob and Jack each and every Monday. Well, someday, sometimes we're recording on Monday and dropping these on Tuesdays now. Uh, and uh, live. We plan to go live tomorrow night at 7 p.m. with uh, Talking Smack. And we're going to talk more about that coming up as well. But Jack Windsor, welcome. Welcome back to the program on AM 1420, The Answer. How are you? Bob, I'm super fantastic. Thanks for having me this morning. Great to be here with you and the family. So yesterday, uh, thanks to you, by the way, for putting me in touch with the attorney, I was able to speak with Josh Brown, a Columbus yeah. area attorney who filed a lawsuit against Hilliard City Schools uh, on behalf of eight parents uh, over sexualization um, content, if you will, that is not even within the context of education, but private conversations with students as young as six and going all the way up through high school, presumably, uh, that parents are not being made aware of. And in fact, that they're going to great lengths to make sure parents aren't aware of. That lawsuit was filed, and uh, as I said to Josh yesterday, um, I think this is something that should probably be happening in a, on a massive scale, state and nationwide, because Hilliard isn't the only school or, or uh, uh, school district that is doing this. This 
is a huge problem. We all know it, and it's about time somebody took it to the courts. So, Jack Windsor, you uh, kind of broke the story, and you shared it with me. What more can you tell us this morning? Yeah, so the Ohio Press Network, we originally reported on the threat that parents made, and Mm -hmm. the threat was based on the district not answering questions. Parents wanted to know, hey, if you have conversations with our kids about gender or sex, are you going to tell us? And um, that was kind of the impetus to this whole thing. And there were messages back and forth between Josh Brown, who represents the parents, as you said, and um, an attorney at Scott Scriven, which represents Hilliard City Schools. And questions didn't get answered. So on Tuesday, the lawsuit was filed in the U.S. Court for the Southern District of Ohio. And it really seeks to do a couple of things. Um, the first one is they want the schools to stop having conversations, sexualized conversations with kids, um, with people who are not qualified, right? So teachers, uh, anybody on staff that doesn't have the training and development of, say, a guidance counselor or social worker. And they want to make sure that parents are aware of those things and that these conversations are hidden. Specifically, they asked that Hilliard, you, you may remember this, this story went national, that they get rid of the, quote, I'm here badges. The I'm here badges are the badges that are um, brought to the school by the National Edu- Education Association's LGBTQ plus caucus. And they are designed to help kids understand that if you have a question about gender or sexuality, you can talk to the person that's safe, that's here, that's wearing the badge. A couple of problems parents found with that. Number one, oftentimes uh, teachers are not qualified to have those conversations. Again, they're not guidance counselors or social workers. Secondly, there are QR codes on those badges. And if you get your smartphone out and you're able to zoom in on that QR code, you can go to a site that was created for voluntary development of teachers. Well, there are some really really vulgar things on that site. And the parents said, well, if my kid has a smartphone and can just snap that QR code, now all of a sudden they're into porn land. So they've asked for those things um, to be put back in the box and, and not used at school. So um, we'll see. It was uh, It's a federal case. And uh, my understanding is that it will be heard by one judge. And uh, I reached out to Hilliard City Schools to ask if they had a comment on the lawsuit. And they said, well, we haven't seen the lawsuit yet, so we don't have any any comment. Well, I asked a direct question, too. Have you have you communicated directly with parents to let them know what your policies are uh, in the district? And, of course, they will not answer that question. So a lot uh, to chew on there. Um, first of all, I- I'm going further than, you know, teachers aren't qualified. I don't think mm-hmm. guidance counselors or social workers are qualified either, unless they are trained psychologists. We are talking about, when it comes to sexualization, or talking about sex, sexual identity or gender identity, which is, of course, what is being pushed all over the place here, as being something called gender dysphoria. That is not something that can be diagnosed and or treated by somebody who just got a bachelor's degree and is a guidance counselor. Or even if they have a master's degree in guidance counseling, unless it includes psychology and a degree in it, they're not qualified e- either. And I can sure as hell tell you that the math teacher and the English teacher and the science teacher aren't psychologists either. So those badge things about I'm here if you want to talk 
is is complete hogwash. This is they have they have no ability whatsoever to counsel these kids. None of them do. That's right. Um, and what they are, in my estimation, Jack, this is just another attempt at the grooming process. It's saying, mm-hmm. hey, if you want to be uh, trendy like other people, click this code and look and see what turns you on. If, if you find something in there that you like, come and tell me. I'm here. We can talk about it, and we can convert you into one of the popular kids. And I hate to say this. But that's what it's become, in an attempt to get yeah. attention, because there is less than 1% of the population that actually suffers from the psychological phenomenon known as gender dysphoria. The rest of them are absolutely following trends, looking for likes, and yes, in little kids, looking for teacher approval. Yes, Miss So-and-so, I want to change my pronouns. Yes, Mr. So-and-so, I feel like I might be a girl. They're looking for the approval of the teachers who are pushing this upon them. Jack, go ahead. Yeah, so part of the lawsuit, they, they are asking the, the court to say, look, these profoundly off-curriculum demonstrations and communications shouldn't be happening in schools, right? Now, there is a fine line there, and the lawsuit even states that the parents are not trying to impinge upon uh, the, the political expression or the free expression of teachers and other students, but there is a fine line where it turns into promotion, and I think that's where they're asking the court to step in. The parents have asked the court to declare their rights to be informed of any symptoms of gender dysphoria or other mental health condition the district obtains from the child, and that any effort to hide this information from parents violates the parents' rights, including fundamental constitutional rights. Now, Bob, this comes from, and one of the stories that we published a few weeks back made its way into this federal lawsuit. Uh, it involves a family in Hilliard where a daughter who was in middle school had for weeks and weeks been exhibiting distress and had been um, so upset that she was released from her classroom multiple times, according to the parents who spoke on behalf of their daughter, and had the school had started socially transitioning the girl. So I believe there was a choir teacher and a science teacher who said, hey, do you want us to call you a boy or treat you as if you're a boy? And so that transition started at school all without the consent and in uh, in awareness of parents. And the only time the parents were uh, looped in on it was after the student had exhibited signs of suicide ideation. And so the parents are brought in and it's a situation that's ugly, confusing, and so they kind of have to unwind it. And so this lawsuit seeks to to make sure. And it seemed when I read the information, it's not that they're saying look because this is the this is the the tag, right? Like, oh, this is anti LGBTQ. It's no, it's really not. It's just allowing parents to be where the uh, justice system has said they should always be in total. Uh, control, not total, but in, in, in that first line of control over the upbringing of their kids and no, their education. No, no, they, they say total. They, the parent is in total control of the upbringing of their kid if they surrender some of that control to teachers for the purpose of doing things they themselves cannot do, teach algebra, teach, uh, you know, how to, how to diagram a sentence or understand, you know, um, English literature. That's fine. Or understand molecular or cellular biology and, 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 and how to dissect a fetal, a fetal pig or a frog. If, if they mm-hmm. choose to give some of that control, Control to the teachers for the purposes of academics, that's still their choice. It's still their control. So they absolutely right. are in total control. And what Hilliard and some of these, these other schools are doing is intentionally usurping that control and taking that from them. That's right. And I think that's the issue that most parents have. The family that I just mentioned um, that is mentioned in the lawsuit 
um, they said, look, that's a conversation we were willing to have at home, but it's one that we wanted to pilot because we know our daughter and we're equipped to handle those things. And unfortunately, the way that the school handled it uh, resulted, now this is their claim, and I'm just repeating it, it resulted in, in the child being suicidal. Well, that's a red flag. That's a big problem, Houston. And so the way that these things are being done in schools inherently and fundamentally needs to change. And it starts with making sure that parents are completely aware that their rights are protected fundamentally and constitutionally. Yeah. And the fact that this child was suicidal and the parents were not a part of the equation lets you know exactly how equipped and capable they are at the school of handling said situation. They're not. And and they should not be pretending uh, that they are. This is grooming. This is an intent to increase numbers. There's a political movement. There is a political movement, political movement, political movement. Make no mistake about it. The teachers' unions are radically far left. And, yes, they are advancing far left causes, including expanding the numbers and the power of the LGBTQ communities. That's reality. And anybody who argues otherwise uh, is, is fooling themselves. That's reality. All right, Jack, let's move on to story number two. This one just hit the web page this morning, uh, ohiopressnetwork.com, the ohiopressnetwork.com. By the way, I love how you threw the the in there. Uh, the ohiopressnetwork.com. Uh, Ohio school administrators admit to tricking parents about CRT in schools. This is the other massive attempt to indoctrinate children. First, there's LGBTQ, and now, of course, there is CRT, which we've been following very closely. What do you got? Well, when you look at the tapestry of education in the state of Ohio, there, there seems to be a common golden thread, and here it is. It's deception, and that's what this story points out. Uh, as you said, administrators admit that they're tricking parents about CRT, critical race theory, and they say they don't plan to stop even if it's forbidden by a law change. Now, there is a law that was introduced again earlier this week that would give parents the right and some funds to move their kids to other schools if they don't like what's going on in the school that they are districted in. Um, but there have also been bills introduced that prohibit divisive concept, concepts such as CRT. But these officials in an undercover investigation um, admitted, hey, uh, as the guy from uh, Upper Arlington, which is a wealthy Columbus suburb, said, now this guy's the director of diversity, inclusion, and equity. He said, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? So if they tell us that CRT is illegal, well, then you know what? We've got other programming. We have extracurriculars, and we can make sure that those things bleed in through those avenues. So if you stop us here, we're going to go over here and, and just to continue to do what we're doing. So I guess the alarming thing about this story is that they have people on video, uh, someone from Groveport Schools, which is, again, a Columbus suburb, and the gentleman I just mentioned in Upper Arlington, another Columbus suburb, who are essentially saying that they intentionally are tricking parents through deceptive conversation strategies uh, to miss the bigger picture of what's going on in schools. Um, and they are using ESSR funds. Bob, we've talked about those before. Those were the COVID relief dollars from the federal government to purchase social workers and guidance counselors and then uh, to purchase lots of material to promote what's called social-emotional learning, which is another avenue um, or a Trojan horse, if you will, for CRT, divisive concepts, and activism against capitalism, the republic form of government, and America, right? Because now they're teaching, even in my daughter's school in Olentangy, in Olentangy even if they're not explicitly saying, they're saying, without saying, 
uh, this is a bad country. It's inherently racist, and we need to fundamentally change it. Well, you know, Shakespeare said a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, and that's exactly what it is here. This stinks the same way, whether it's got the name on it or not. Uh, CRT by another name, such as Math Lesson, this, that, or the other thing, uh, it still stinks. And uh, and and I'm glad that this ex- expose is being done. I'm glad that they're putting these people on hidden cameras, and I'm glad uh, everything is being exposed because our children's literally, you know, I, I don't want to be melodramatic here when I say our future depends on it, but you know, it, it, our children are the future. Our children are the, are the future leaders. And right now, if you look at polls that are done of the by the various generations, baby boomers. Gen Xers, Millennials, and Gen Zers, the leftward tilt and the uh, turn away from actual science in favor of scientism and the actual turn toward uh, all of this DIE stuff uh, that is going on in the in Gen Z right now, it is at a very, very alarming trend. 10, 20 years, 30 years from now, I might not be around, but those who are are going to be led by these people, and this is this is going to be our mark on history. We're going to be rolling around in our graves uneasy as hell or looking down, God willing, and seeing at, the, at what we created because we did not stop this when we could. And that's exactly what has to happen in the courts. Thanks to Josh Brown, that's a step. It has to happen in the press. Thanks to people like you, that's a step. And activists who are going to school boards and saying, not here, not anymore. This is our. This is going to be our legacy, whether or not we allow this to happen and ruin the future. Go ahead. No, I agree with you. And I, you know, I was thinking, you know, why does this matter? And two things come to my mind, Bob, and I think you just did a, a fantastic job of, of saying why it matters. And I'll just chime in and say, you know, um, there are uh, protected rights that we have as parents and, and even as kids, as students, and they have a, a right to political expression, to basically directing the education and upbringing of their kids. And, you know, there's also the right of religion. What if, what if fundamentally I believe something and my, and my kid believes something that the school doesn't believe in and is promoting? Um, so this can thwart those rights through deception, right? That's what we're seeing now, intimidation, persecution, threats. But the second is that we, you already said this earlier, case law is clear that parents have a right to direct the education. Mm-hmm. So the hard question is how can a parent direct their kids if the school's lying to them? And, and why would we accept that as a, at a fundamental level? And how do, how do taxpayers, even if you're not a parent, as a taxpayer, how do you feel about a system that inherently says parents should be tricked, that kids belong to the state, and that we're going to just upend society whether you like it or not? Well, uh, those you know, are your tax dollars that you're paying for. You, you, know, you know what I'm going to go with? Since what? we're talking about radical things being done to our children, I'm going to respond with radicalism. My radical idea is treat teachers like we teach cops. Treat cops, I should say. Body cams. Put a body cam on every teacher. I want to know what is being said to my kids. All of it will be private, just like uh, uh, the police uh, uh, body cams, and any footage there must be released by the um, right. by the authorities only when there's a, it serves the public interest or through FOIA requests and so on and so forth. I know people will scream, privacy, privacy, privacy. Well, privacy was uh, finally... Um, I don't want to say invaded, but they it was exposed what they were doing in the schools during COVID. When they started teaching yep. everybody, they told the kids to stay home and do do school at their uh, kitchen table, and parents finally got a chance to look over the kids' shoulders and see what was being said and what was being taught, and now the cat is out of the bag, and now we know what's going on. I always want to know what's going on. I know it's radical, but body cams or, or cams in the classroom to ensure that we know what is going on in our schools. That's the only way parents will ever get a, uh, an opportunity to uh, overcome come the lies uh hey jack we're just about out of time but super quick tomorrow 
Talking Smack with Bob and Jack live, 7 p.m., Facebook Live, and it'll be up on our podcast pages on uh, you know Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeart, and all the rest of them, Spotify. Uh, we've got a special guest. Who is it? Dr. David Utlack, Bob, and we're going to talk about the really dangerous thing, right? Um, after DeMar Hamlin went down, by the way, we don't know if DeMar was vaccinated or boosted or not, but what we mm-hmm. do know is if you even question whether he was and how myocarditis might have played into that horrific incident, you are labeled, um, you're banned, you're censored. So we're going to have that tough conversation tomorrow with a renowned cardiologist right here from Ohio. Well, that's going to be a great conversation. We really do need to get into this and talk to somebody who is actually interested in the science and not scientism for the for the purpose of advancing an agenda. Jack Windsor, always a pleasure. Make sure everybody read and follow and subscribe to the Ohio Press Network, the Ohio Press Network. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Bob. Back after the news on AM 1420 The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. All right, 11.38 now. That was an action-packed two and a half hours, to say the very least. Um, If you missed the interviews, you need to hear them. Uh, In hour number one, we heard from Shannon uh, Burns, the uh, president of the Strongsville GOP, and he laid it out. Tom Patton, one of the Gang of 22, one of the 22 uh, trans, Republican trans Democrats. Uh, That's what we're going to call them, or at least that's what I'm going to call them from now on. This is a trans era. Everybody can try to be something else. Boys can be girls. Dogs can be cats. Boys and girls can be dogs and cats, and yes, Republicans can be Democrats. They can transition, and that's what they're doing. 22 of them transitioned uh, into Democrats when they voted for Jason Stevens to lead the Ohio State House uh, at the Speaker's position. So uh, Shannon told us what, uh, uh, what uh, Strongsville GOP sent to Tom Patton, looking for an answer, looking for some defense of his behavior and his decision here, and none is forthcoming. That interview is available and will be available very soon at whkradio.com on the podcast page. Look for Always Right Radio on the podcast page, and you can hear that. That was from our number one. And by the way, the statement from Representative Patton to Strongsville GOP, which called him out for this, and said, we want to give you a chance to defend yourself, either in writing or at the meeting on January 30th, so that we can decide what, if anything, is necessary for a response, probably including a censure. No more endorsements from the Strongsville GOP and potentially no funding either. The response from Representative Patton was uh, very simple. Mr. Burns, Representative Patton respectfully wishes to wait to respond until the conclusion of the householder trial for some reason. Thanks from uh, his legislative aide. So that's it. That's it right now, and that's the, the latest. There are, I'm sure, things like this going on in the districts or in the counties of almost all of the Gang of 22. Uh, but that's the one that's closest to us right now. In the uh, 10 o'clock hour, uh, we had a great conversation at 1035. If difficult, it was a great conversation with Lee Weingart, who wants to be the new leader of the Cuyahoga County Republican Party. problem is the party's already got a leader, and that leader is Lisa Sticken. He says she's doing a lousy job. He says that he and others uh, have recognized that she's doing a lousy job, and if the party is to try to go back to winning again, it's going to need a new leader, and he wants to be that guy. Problem is, well, he wants to lead Republicans while donating to Democrats. 
That was the big uh, one of the big questions that I had uh, for Lee Weingart, and you can decide for yourself how well he answered it and whether or not he convinced you uh, when you hear that interview. Uh, also at whkradio.com. And then, of course, we just finished with Jack Windsor, who's got his finger on the pulse of Ohio schools, school districts, and parents as they continue to try to indoctrinate, indoctrinate rather, and uh, sexualize, recruit, and coerce and groom young children into alternate lifestyles for purposes of political gain. So those are three great interviews. If you missed them, you want to hear them at uh, whkradio.com. I've got time for a quick phone call here before we're done. It's going to be from Dan in Middleburg Heights. Hey, Dan, uh, you're on. Go ahead, my friend. Okay, thanks for taking this call. And all. Mm-hmm. See, Lee, Lee, Lee Weingard, it, it was a great interview. And, and, and as an example there, you had him tongue-tied. He had to admit to you he's going to donate to, to Ryan and Gonzalez Yet try to tell you that he, I, I like his policies with taxes, you know, for Rita, you know, with the Cuyahoga County. Yeah. And, and personal property tax. But this is the problem with uh, probably the 22 in the legislature and every other state in the, in the damn union where they're playing both sides. I mean, he just told you that if Joseph Stalin did a favor for his client, he's donating to Joseph Stalin. That's what he did with Gonzalez. Yeah, that was very disappointing for me right. to hear, and that's why I told him, you know, I said, look, you know, I, if, if uh, I think the way I phrased it was, if somebody doesn't know you at all and just heard what you said, absent context, they would think that you put your clients ahead of your country, because that's what that's what that kind of a vote does. You know, this wasn't. He said, hey, look, do you do you agree with every single representative that you support and vote for? Do you agree with every vote that they make? And this wasn't just a vote on a spending right. bill. This wasn't just a vote on whether or not to, you know. Uh, you know, to, to uh, 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 potentially uh, hold somebody accountable for something at the border, you know, like Alejandro. This right. was a vote. This was a vote to impeach the sitting president without due process. That's a little bit larger than anything else, and I, I wanted him to know that. That matters to me, and I think it's going to matter to a lot yeah, of people. We're, we're not stupid out here. This Democratic Party now is not from 1950. These guys no. are Marxist communists. That's the it's, point I was trying to make. Right. That's exactly and the point I was trying to make. His 3000 bucks <clears throat> multiplied by how many other people are everywhere in Ohio donating like that, flip-flopping yeah. around. That's how they get all their money. That's why I don't believe money is free speech in donating. That's my position. Okay. Hey, thanks for the call, Dan. I appreciate it. Um, I'll I'll just close it this way. The day after Anthony Gonzalez cast his vote to impeach President Trump, joining nine other Republicans and all of the Democrats, he made the mistake of coming on the air with me to explain why. And my response to Anthony Gonzalez was, get the hell out of my Congress. Get the hell out of the People's House. Um, He regretted coming on. I think it was the very first step toward the end of his political career, which he announced shortly after, uh, after getting criticism from a lot of other people as well. Don't, Don't misunderstand. I'm not suggesting I was the only reason. But I was the first person he talked to after he cast that vote, and I think the wheels started rolling then that ended his political career. I didn't talk to Anthony Gonzalez and say, hey, let's try to understand your position here. I certainly didn't send him money. Lee sent him money, and that, that's a problem for me. And, the, and whether that's a problem for Lee or not is, will be up to the membership of the Cuyahoga County Republican Party. That's it. That's all the time we've got. Catch those interviews if you miss them at whkradio.com. Probably coming up within the, within the hour. And we'll see you tomorrow on 1420 The Answer. Have a good day. Bye-bye. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.